And you are listening to WMNF Tampa, WMNF 88.5 FM. Welcome to the afternoon. WMNF and Living Mirror Playback Theater will host a monthly community talkback and improv show live here in the WMNF studios, 7 p.m. on the fourth Friday of every month. The event will be based on our monthly mission calendar, covering topics such as economic justice, environmental issues, and more. We invite community activists and interested listeners to come and share their thoughts and experiences. Then Living Mirror will play back those stories using improv techniques. 
It'll be a compelling evening of community sharing and improv theater, but space in our studio is limited. So go online to wmf.org backslash events to reserve your seat. Another way that WMNF is trying to reach out and represent our community. We're a community radio station. That's what we do. We uh, get... We are, we just bring us all together. So thank you for being out there. Thank you for listening. What a great show. I love the skinny. I'm so excited that people are tuning in and loving it. We do have somebody uh, that asked about a recording. We don't have recordings of the show to send out, but you can always go online to WMNF.org. And uh, there's a programming page. If you drop down, go to the broadcast page and you can click on the show and listen. Since it's a public affairs show, it's going to be up for two years. So uh, so we've got that, and uh, if I get a chance, I'll send you the link. But you can go on to line to WMNF.org, listen to any show that we have. If it's a music show, it's up there for a week, and if it's a public affairs show, it's up for a lot longer. So thank you for being one of the wonderful listeners who's out there figuring out what we're doing. Anyway, my name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most. I'm so excited that you're tuned in. Thank you for being out there. On today's show, we're going to be talking about kind of fits in. It's so weird how the Reagan era keeps being brought up right now. I've been thinking a lot about, uh, you know, the Iran-Contra thing. I mean, all of the scandals during the 80s seem to not inform anything, and we're having all this stuff all happen again. So we have from Off Central Players and the Grand Central Studio, uh, we've got This Is Our Youth coming in just a few minutes, a play that centers around some young people launching their lives into Reagan's America. So that will be really great. Stay tuned for that. And then, of course, stuff going on around the air. Um, the area and here at the station. I want to mention for music people, I got to cover uh, Stu's show yesterday from noon to three. And uh, so if you like the music that I play here on Art in Your Ear, there was three hours of that music or almost three hours of that music yesterday. Again, you can go online to WMNF.org and to programming and you will click on that and listen to that. I also want to mention... And then I'll play music and we'll start the interview. That uh, last week I started an art in, art in Your Ear Facebook group. So if you go to the Art In Your Ear page, you can find the Facebook group. And wow, holy cow, I wish I did this years ago. It is my favorite place in the whole entire world right now. People are posting poetry. They're posting photographs, uh, books that they're reading, movies that they're watching, um, visual art. They're talking about themselves. They're talking about art. It's just more than I could have even hoped for. So please join the group. It's a public group. Uh, you can go on, if you're on Facebook, to Art In Your Ear. It's A-I-Y-E-W-M-N-F. And you can see the group there and join it. It'd be lovely to have you. It's really fun chatting with everyone. It's just it, it's just a great experience, and I hope that you will join us. All right, let's get going. One of the things that's really funny about this show, um, This Is Youth, is that I'm not really playing too much 80s music, but boy, it's inspiring for all sorts of type of music. And there's one character in it named Dennis or Denny. And when I got home from the rehearsal, the other night. This song uh, was the first song I heard when I walked into my house. And I was like, oh, I got to play this for them. It's called, it's by Lauren Morrow. And it's called Only Nice When I'm High. Here on WMNF, Art in Your Ear, 88.5 FM. A million tiny miles 
right. So, um... <laughs> fitting song, very fitting song. I know. I actually have a ton of songs that work really well uh, with this. The next song is Brilliant Mistake, so I thought that also <laughs> did, did well, too. <laughs> so, thank you for coming in the studio. Uh, in the studio today, I have uh, three of the people involved with putting on This Is Our Youth at the uh, Off Center, Off Central theater, off-central players. This is our youth. It was a uh, play by Kenneth Lonergan. I never say his name correctly. Lonergan. Lonergan. And then uh, and then hopefully we'll have one more cast member calling in. So I'm going to ask, that's Ward Smith you heard a little bit, or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourselves, and then uh, so the listeners understand your voice different and who you are in the show, what you're involved, and then we're going to get going. So Ward, would you please start? I'm Ward Smith. I'm the producer and artistic director of the Off Central Players. Excellent. Sydney? I'm Sydney Reddish, and I am playing Jessica Goldman. And Anthony? Hey, I'm Anthony Gervais, and I'm playing Dennis Ziegler. So uh, what is so interesting about this show, um, I was, I have my college reunion coming up at the end of, end of the month, and, uh, and so we were college kids in the 80s, and I remember it was the first time that I, that in front of my face were assassinations. Uh, it was when I first heard of the doomsday clock, which was very, very close at some points. Uh, there was, we were... My family was very conservative. I was very the other way, liberal. I was a punk rocker and stuff like that. So watching the show, there's so much going on on the outside, but it, how much does it, for your characters, how much does what's going on on the outside kind of seep into their lives? Because I was also a pretty oblivious, you know, a pretty oblivious student, to be honest, too. So how, are, how are those characters facing the 80s? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I feel like the the things going on in the outside world kind of seep in the way that they do for young people through like their parents and through things that they're hearing, whatever's in pop culture, the the popular thing going on and the popular thing to believe or they're all still trying to figure out themselves. I don't think they any of them have a clear idea of what they believe, but everything that they say, they believe it very uh What's the word? With just, they're very strong and passionate in all of their convictions. I just don't know that they always know exactly what they're talking about. Well, it's really fun. Like, right when you get started, when your character meets Warren, uh, she is very declarative. Like, she's like, here's how it is. This is how the world works. And it, you know, it's really hard or it's really great. But she's sort of like, there's not any doubt with that. Um, was that, is that kind of fun to play someone so completely confident of their, um, <laughs> of their abilities in that way? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like she's an adventurer. I mean, um, I think that she is anxious and unsure of herself, but at the same time, very, yeah, she makes declarations and she's very bold in the things that she does, even though I think it surprises her sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then Anthony, did you feel like your, I mean, your character is uh, the center of the play. Things, you know, kind of revolve around his whims, anywhere from his whims to his schemes to his personality. Yeah. So is he, he's just a little bit older than the other two characters in the play. Correct. Does he feel a gulf between them or does he feel similar? I don't think he feels a gulf. Um, I think he's kind of clinging to his relationships with his younger friends because um, I think he's kind of afraid to grow up. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I never met a bike messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, but you know, he's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's Dennis's whole deal is that he's 
older than Warren, who's one of his closest friends, even though he kind of bullies him and treats him <laughs> like he's not mm-hmm. one of his closest friends. I think the reality is that he is and that um, he's kind of latched onto these high school relationships that really like ground him in, mm-hmm. in his identity. Now, in, in this, and then Warren is the third character. He's a 19-year-old who has recently, at least, made some bad decisions. Uh, and, you know, you, you can decide whether or not that it's an ongoing thing. <laughs> Ward, when you were working with everybody, how much of, the, of their history were you trying to get in there? Like, how, did, you, did they need a lot of history? From what, from the 80s point of view? or Well, no, no, I mean personal history for the characters. Well, I, actually, it's one of these, these, one of these pieces where I'm, I don't really want to speak for them, but I think why an artist wants to do a piece is because they find something that they can relate to it. Oh, I, I've done this, or that's me, this, I, I grew up during this time period. And so I, and actually, they approached me with this. You know, last year, they came up and said, hey, I'd like to do this play, and I heard the piece, and I said, oh, this is great. They me. being... The actually Sydney and 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 Harrison and also Anthony they kind of because they had Sydney to play for us last year, and um, she said, "Oh, going forward because we're still planning what this season would be like, this year would be like," and so they suggested this title. This is our youth, and I said, "Oh, I've heard about that," and because I'm looking for material that works in our space, which is mm-hmm. about the size of the studio, as you saw, and the a need small uh, cast with you know really. Intimate and powerful stories, and this one fit to Bill and Spade. So, um, and here we are. And uh, <laughs> so, so, obviously, they had uh, connected with the material, you know, from when they did it probably in grad school. They had a scene study in the past or wanted to do it, and wish someone would want to do it. So, boom, here's the opportunity. And it, it's one of those things where your history kind of catches up, your history catches up to, to you on that. And um, see, during this time, you said you're, you know, in high school or you're in college during this time. I was in the service in '82 when the show takes place. I graduated in '81, and it was there was a lot of fear that was going on. The, the, there was no, there was a fear of war that was going. on, The whole Cold War is everything, and mm-hmm. so the, I, the, for me, the safest place for me was the military, <laughs> right? So because uh, I definitely had didn't have the grades for school. So, and I think the guys during that time, a lot of males during that time, the fear of will the draft start back up again was looming. Economic was uh, the, the economy was really hard back in the eighties for job wise and what was that? There was no tech boom. There was no. We were coming out of a big recession. Huge big recession mm-hmm. coming, and so and what was happening? So there was these fears that everyone was you know that was growing up. That that makes this play so universal is that it was afraid to grow up. They want to you know they they want to have the security blanket of what mom and dad have provided them, and in some way or another. And now. You have these come to Jesus moments. You have these Eureka moments. You have these I go to had a V eight moments in your mm-hmm. life where it's like okay, it's time to grow up. And you kind of look back. You have those moments. I think I have one every week. Mm. You know, if not every other moment of the day, it's <laughs> like oh jeez, you know, those moments we actually start to grow up. Those teachable moments. And I think this play covers the first one, the first inciting incident in everyone's lives or these people's lives at that. Between adulthood and, and adolescence, you know, the 19, 20, 21, where it's just, boom, you have and to. And that kind of the adventure, I mean, I think because what, 
when you know, I mean, you guys are a lot closer to your characters' ages than than I am. But there was sort of this longing, like it's supposed to be more. Like whatever this is, it's supposed to be more. And you hear that in not necessarily their specific language, but in everything. Like there should be more. Should I go out to Santa Barbara? Should I go out to Seattle? Should I become a designer? Should I, you know, should I figure this stuff out? But there's supposed to always be more than this. Will you talk a little bit about um, now in it? Jessica already knows, Jessica and Anthony, I mean, sorry, Jessica and uh, and Denny already know each other, but not well, or are they just meeting at when this play starts? Yeah, I think that they know of each other, and they've probably met in passing. I mean, she's uh, Jessica gets involved in this because she's really good and new, friends with his girlfriend, Valerie. Mm-hmm. Um I think they're aware of each other. Right. Yeah. So, but it's not, so, so that's true too, because I mean, now, you know, I'm older than you guys making friends. Once you get like out of school and into the world, really you start making friends from work or from your neighborhood. Like it's very different, but when you're in your late teens and early twenties, you make sense, friends with all sorts of mm-hmm. people, you know, just because, Hey, you're interesting or Hey, you're around or you're sitting there. So now we're friends. Um, will you talk a little bit about how you started to understand, like, how did you start to understand Jessica and how she was going to relate? And how did you understand, uh, Dennis and what he was going to do in the world? We just bring that up a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to let you start. Um, Anthony? Um, figuring Dennis out and how he relates um, was kind of just a, an ongoing process. I'm, I'm, I'm truly still figuring out kind of how he fits into the world, and I think he is, throughout the course of the play, trying to figure that out. Um, but I think that he is kind of really as lost as the other two, even though he pretends to have it all together and has this kind of very confident uh, facade that he puts up um, as a self-protection measure, you know? Um, But I think that in a way that I can relate to now, like he's just trying to figure it out and take it one day at a time. And that that idea of like, is there more than this? And that longing, um, you know... So in, in one thing that I was reading and, oh, no, no, it was, I was texting a friend after I left and say, oh, you know, I went to, you know, just went to her husband and, and he texted back, <laughs> big theater nerd. <laughs> and he said, oh, Denny's a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> Is Denny a sociopath? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to pass judgment on, on my own character, <laughs> but I think, I think he, he probably is. Yeah, he's really not. A healthy, balanced guy. He could definitely benefit from some therapy. I think. <laughs> well, you, you have to also keep in mind this is the '80s. There is a little bit of recreational pharmaceutical inspiration that's kind of driving these fears <laughs> of these people. They're living in this really this this amped up world, you know, and that's a mask in, in addition to the bravado that fuel. Mm-hmm. Reinforces that you know that, that fake armor. Then when it wears off. You know, we're back at square one. I don't feel too good anymore. We're right. still and there was, dealing with this situation. And there was a lot of pe- a lot of people use cocaine as armor. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so right. I just want to mention that um, Harrison Baxley joined us by phone, and he plays the third person in the show, uh, Warren, who has, uh, and I don't know, um, Harris, can you hear us, Harrison? Uh, yeah, can you hear me okay? So, yeah, yeah, you're great. Could I'm you, sorry, could you just say, hey, yo, Denny, it's Warren, let me up. Can you just say that? Knock that back. <laughs> so I'm wondering, do you feel like your character um, has a history of bad decision-making? 
uh, or that like a history of impulse acting or is this do you do you sort of feel like this is something that he sort of did without like it's a, out of character uh i think that warren is pretty well known in all of his circles for being someone that is going to make the worst decision possible <laughs> and they all just have to put up with it. Like family, <laughs> friends. You take bets on it, actually. <laughs> yeah. In a way that kind of frees you up because you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter what I decide because it's going to suck. So. Yeah. <laughs> Warren, you set your expectations very low. <laughs> so we were, we were just talking about how they came to know their characters and figure it out. So Jessica, do you... Um, I mean, Jessica, I'm so sorry. Uh, Sydney, with Jessica, did you sort of feel a, a kinship to what she was going through? Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's one of the reasons that I was drawn to this play is because I really relate to um, kind of like what Anthony was saying, that uh, point in your life when you're really, really lost. I think that I've been in that for a while and I'm still in it and I go in and out of it. And there's this, and she experiences it too. And there's this big tug of, you know, like Ward was saying earlier, figuring your stuff out, like getting it together, growing up more. And then also you're on this um, brink of all of this possibility and all of these things that you could do and chasing all of these things. And you're also, your brain is still developing mm -hmm. and your thoughts about things independent of the people in your life that have shaped them previously, those are forming now. And now it's coming more from you mm -hmm. and um, and she's very opinionated and I love that. I think that I am too. And she's very um, scattered in a way that I really relate to. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, <laughs> yes. There's a, you could sense, you know, with all these characters, and I think it's in the, it's in the script and the author put it in there, that there's hope and there's also mm -hmm. disappointment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at that age, when you expect so much, mom and dad, you said, I thought there'd be more. There's supposed to be more, right? There's that disappointment. Well, this sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, like, where's the job or where's the world, where's the, the socioeconomic circumstance that the, you know, the whole world is supposed to change, right? Everyone's supposed to be golden. Everyone's supposed mm -hmm. to be shiny. What, what happened? Where's the shiny, happy people? <laughs> nothing nothing right? gold can stay. That's right. <laughs> That's like the only thing I remember from the outsiders. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Stay, stay golden, right? Stay golden. Stay golden. So, um, Harrison, I want you to jump in because we've been kind of talking about how um, finding the character uh, with with Warren is is he a, um, is he a, sort of a fun guy to be living with through the rehearsal process of this play? Uh, <laughs> I would say sometimes he's fun. He's fun to play with. He's fun when I uh, get to play with. Uh, the other characters, but um, he's also dealing with a lot, and um, he's growing up in the play. Like, we watch him mm -hmm. grow up, and growing is painful, you know? And I think coming of age and, and change can be really difficult, and I think those moments in the play where he is, uh, where we see him change or see him grow up in just a moment, um, it can be difficult. So I would say in reading the script, and this is why um, this is why you guys are in it and not me. Um, reading the script, it's I have to say it was kind of like, oh man, like I really like these everyone. I like these characters, but their lives, you know, it's you get feel kind of like worried and maternal, and you know about them. But then when it comes alive, there's more hope sort of in watching it and listening to it than there is in reading it, if that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, because 
the the openness that the characters that your characters have to listening and to changing and to paying attention to the world sort of imbues a hope in it, though their exact words are not necessarily hopeful. Is that a directorial decision, or do you think that's already embedded in the in the script? And I, I wait, think wait, before you answer, hang yeah. on. I just want to remind listeners what we're listening to. This is our youth, which is opening up at uh, the Off Central Players uh, Grand Central Studio, and it opens up next week on the 9th. So just in case, because I, I just saw we have a bunch of new listeners. So we have the cast and director of This Is Our Youth Now. Ward, if you don't mind answering well, about the script, whether it's script or the direction, you're I think fine. It, I think I think it's in there. I think it's in the text, and it just that's why it makes it so appealing to do. It just comes out, and so when you see it come alive, because it takes place in a time when people have to talk to each other. No cell phones. No cell phones. No text. You know, this is, you have to be in the room and can deal with it. And because it takes place in the studio apartment, you're these are in, you're in a cage. There's no escaping. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's the interesting thing about theater. What keeps the person from going out the door? You could say, all right, screw this, I'm out of here, and then the show's over. Right. And what do you do for the rest of the 90 minutes? What keeps the people in the room? What keeps the interest? Why, why do people, when you're watching TV, why, why does she just leave? Why does she put up with that crap? Because you, well, you, you need to play. You <laughs> to play, but there's a reason why. You see why they're putting in mm-hmm. this. I mean, you see why Warren doesn't just tell Dennis, you know, stop it, I'm out of here, because he, he puts up with the abuse, but... He kind of looks up to Dennis. He does. Mm-hmm. He has nothing else because he has a problem. And Dennis him. does care for him. Like after he, he punches him, he hustles his hair. Right. Because <laughs> he, he says, I love him because he lets me abuse him. I, I think mean, that's doesn't? just like the only way he knows how to express like all the feelings he has inside him. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. have like the tools as a person to no. to just be nice to Warren. He just, he has all this aggression and like energy inside of him and it gets let out mm-hmm. and kind of like... The backhanded, the backhanded compliment of like I'm going to slap you and then tell you, you know, oh, but you're my best friend, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you're an idiot. Both these guys have bad issues. They really do. They do. It's true. They have a lot. They have a lot of issues. And you know, and you know, I don't, I don't know if it's important. Or I don't want to give away something I'm not supposed to. But Warren has an extra layer in his life where his life imploded because of something that happened to it. And and I used to have a a job. Um, my job was working with families that were dealing with, you know, the worst mm-hmm. things that could possibly happen mm-hmm. to them. And it always, always imploded a family somehow, you know, and then to have that. The other interesting thing that I was thinking about with this show, so this play was written, I think, in the 90s, in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And so not too far from the time when it's set. So doing it now... 30 years after it was written, 40 years after it's set, um, it is a world. I don't know if you guys have ever known a world without cell phones, without internet, without, you know, like all this different stuff, but it is a very different world how people had to behave. Your families that, the characters' families are supposed to be pretty, um, uh, the left-leaning upper Upper East Side, Upper West Side Jewish. Yeah. Well, to, mm-hmm. you know, well up to where they can afford to have these, you know, Dennis lives in an apartment where his father pays for. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, also those apartments were like $200 at the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is still a lot of money. In right. 1986, when I did live in the city, I lived in the Lower East Side and it was $1,200 and I slept on the floor. See, ours were 600 and we had three girls in one room. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and we had water. Oh, well, they're fancy. Kids <laughs> So do you, um, do, the, do the characters, uh, you know, you kind of get Warren, um, we get your relationship with your dad, sounds pretty bad, um, with your mom, a little different. Uh, we hear about your relationship, Cindy, with Jessica's relationship with her mom, mm-hmm. 
And then what about with, you know, your family, uh, you know, Dennis says his family is happy to pay for his apartment just so he stays away from them. Yeah. So is that, I mean, are, is that accurate? Are they accurately presenting in your mind when you were developing the characters, the relationships that you had with them? And, and Harrison, I want to start with you because that your relationship with your dad kind of is the thing that starts the whole play. What, like, what did you have to think about the family stuff when you were doing this character and thinking about the character, how he relates to family and to others? Uh, yeah, um, it's interesting. Something Ward brings up a lot in rehearsal is, um, the moment before. Um, and, you know, it is indicated in the play that, uh, the moment before for Warren, uh, roughly two hours before, there's been this pretty huge explosion between him and his dad. It definitely is referenced that it's not the first time. So when I'm backstage, like a few minutes before the show, uh, I'm lucky to have such great cast members who, like, if I need a second to just kind of breathe and get in the headspace of what 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 happens those in those few hours, um, they they give me that space, uh, and I I feel very supported by them. Hmm. That's awesome. So with him, you know, I mean, because he kind of, I mean, there's sort of like this casual mention that he beats you up, you know, and or that he hits you, or there's violence in the family is is sort of just sort of casually mentioned, but it's not really focused on. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's something I, I'm sorry, what's something I can relate to is like, my dad used to knock me around a bit. Not my dad, my stepdad used to, they just slap me around a bit and smack me around. You say just kind of with an offhandedness, it, when it's, it's, it's a mask too. Right. I mean, we don't know if it was open-handed, was it smacked, did it leave a bruise, did he just shove him up against the wall? Right. And that's because we got to hear from, uh, uh, from Sydney and Anthony about sort of creating their character. When you were stepping into Warren's shoes and deciding, okay, this is my Warren, this is my Warren, this is my youth Warren. Um, <laughs> so what, what was important for you that was in the script or not in the script to make sure that, you know, when I'm sitting in the audience, I know this about your Warren? Uh, yeah, um, and this is my Warren, uh, <laughs> I, I try to throw off the lines about, uh, the abuse, um, Dennis mentions that I get beaten up more than Warren ever does. I think it's something that Warren would like to ignore, uh, but Dennis also threatens to beat me up a lot, and then sometimes <laughs> he does start beating me up. He does kind of beat you up a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's going from one abusive relationship to another. Exactly, and I think that's part of what keeps Warren coming back in a weird way, you know? Like, obviously, he does have those father issues, and their relationship is so weird, and his relationship with Dennis is so weird. Uh, and I think that, you know, if, if Dennis raises a hand, Warren's going to flinch, yeah. mm-hmm. right? He beats me, but he gets me. Right. And, and Warren would rather have a friend like that, you know, than face the wrath at home. And it might normalize it. Like, oh, everywhere I go, somebody beats me up. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at yeah, least Warren horrible. feels he's, he may be on somewhat equal footing with Dennis. Right. You know. right. Well, listeners, we're uh, chatting with the director and cast of This Is Our Youth. Uh, is there, and I don't know, it might, it's very weird, and I asked you last night, is there any type of scene or anything you can do from this? I'd be interested in having listeners hear kind of what the... The voices are, but it might be a, a weird situation. What well, we're trying to, at least, what what we can provide some context for your audience as well. And I guess what um, what Anthony was talking about was a there's a scene where his character in Act Two, I mean, given in context, there's a 
They've been out. He's been out partying. There's been, you know, without giving this my too much of a plot line. There's been uh, one of their friends who we don't see in the play. He's uh, he had too much fun. He, he overdosed. So mm. it's one of those situations where your close group of friends has a brush with death. So I mean, you know, it's like it could have been anybody. It could have been you. It could have been me. What you know? So you feel this, you know, your 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 vulnerability, your mortality. What's next? Am mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, it's we're only like how many degrees of separation? And so he's, I think he's pondering that, and everything else kind of comes to a head. Is that, is that what you were, you were thinking about, Anthony? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, yeah, so in this, in this speech, uh, as, as Ward just said, um, my character Dennis has just returned home from, from finding out about that news about this person they knew. I just can't believe this, man. It's like so completely bizarre. And it's not even like I liked the guy that much, you know? I just knew him, you know? But if we'd been doing those speedballs last night, we could both be dead right now. Like, do you understand how close that is? Like, it's death. Death. It's so incredibly heavy. It's so much heavier than, like, 95% of the stuff you deal with in an average day that constitutes your supposed life, and it's totally off to the side. I mean... I'm like high on fear, man. I feel totally stoned out of my mind on fear. I don't even know what to do with myself. I want to like, I want to like go to cooking school in Florence or like go into show business. Oh, I could be such a completely great chef. It's like ridiculous. Or like an actor or like a director. I should totally direct movies, man. I'd be like, a genius at it. Like, if you take the average person with the average sensibilities and, like, what thoughts they have and the way they look at the world and, like, what they think and compare it to the way that I look at things and just the stuff I come up with to say or, like, the slant I put on things and there's no comparison at all. I don't know, man. I'm totally stoned out of my mind on fear. Wow. <laughs> and the idea, I mean, that's a big thing. When you're that first death, you know, the first death that comes into your life when you're young and when it's someone yeah. like it's that. It's not like your grandmother dying. It's not right. like a family member. Like, is this someone who like, oh, deed. And this is someone who in the in the first act, you the audience gets to see him talking on the phone with, right? Correct, you yes. Know, so it's, so it's, it's another character, not a character necessarily that we've met, but it's a, definitely a, a, someone that moves the play into a separate place, you know, and so that must be shocking. I have to say, I, uh, oh my gosh, we're almost out of time. I have so many questions. Um, I have to say, and, and I came to rehearsal, and I understand rehearsals are not, not the complete play and stuff. Um, and you just saw Act One, right? Exactly. But one of the things that I that I enjoyed so much was that there were parts when I was watching with all three of the people, all three of the actors, all three of you, that it was as if you were having a conversation. I mean, even though I would keep on saying, you know, calling you actually by your names, it. I like. I understand that there's acting where it is supposed to be acting, and that's purposeful and I like that acting too but it was so interesting because sometimes you guys were just talking to each other and we're like these are characters but it was so easy to get right into the play with you like I was not watching um, I wasn't watching Anthony and Sydney and Harrison I was watching Dennis and Warren and Jessica and that was a thrill because it's it was still you know I mean you've got a while before you open so usually I don't you know it's just really exciting to see that and I just want to mention that because I want the audience to know about that um, because that's what I think as an audience member we want to easily suspend 
what the situation is and do what the situation is supposed to feel like. And they do it, and they do it beautifully. Yeah, I mean, really. Because so. you, you see how small our place is, and yeah. I'm sitting in the front row deliberately because we're this close together, and it's, I call it the, the BS meter. Is yeah. that weird for you guys to have people watching so close, like to have not very much space between you and audience? Yeah, I think it's kind of a thrill. It's yeah. really exciting. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're, I mean, you're sharing the space with the people that you're in the play with, but you're also sharing the space and letting in the people that are in the audience into your little world and these like vulnerable moments that you're having or these exciting, fun, like natural, you know, experiences that you're going through with this group of people mm-hmm. that's right there. And you just finished The Wolves, right? Yes. So that is another different, like, interesting staging moment. Um, and uh, and that is, you know, the audience there was very keyed up mm-hmm. at parts of it. And I can feel like there's parts of this play where the audience is going to be sort of keyed up, like, mm-hmm. because of what happens on stage. They're going to be like, oh, you know. Like, <laughs> ah, <yeah." laughs> and that will be so interesting because you guys will have that immediate reaction. You don't have the, the, the you know, have that sort of five feet or 10 feet or 12 feet between you and the next person on there. Um, we are so um, almost out of time. Is there anything I haven't asked you about this show that you think it's important for people to know or about your characters or their interactions that you want people to surely know before they come? I, I think if it's, is that between at least Dennis and, 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 and Warren, is, there is a love. There, it is a friendship. That's, you know, the why Warren sticks around and puts up with the abuse. You know, mm-hmm. it's good natured. It's not, surely it's not, it's, it's less, it, he, Dennis might hit harder than his dad does, let's say, but it's not coming from his father. Well, let me ask something. Yeah. Harrison, mm-hmm. is, um, who is Warren's best friend? Dennis. For Dennis, sure. for sure. For, is that a new best friend or is that a best friend for a long time? Yeah, it's definitely been a long time. They have a large group of friends outside of them as well. And uh, do you, uh, when you're, you know, when your Warren is going through stuff, there's a, a delightful scene when he opens a suitcase full of his treasures uh, and doing that. And I just want you, if you don't mind, to take a minute and um, if, you, if you don't mind me stealing your time, take a minute and talk about that scene when you have all these different treasures in there uh, and how Warren is about these things that he brought with them and, and what they represent to him. Would you mind so, just talking about that a little bit? Oh, not at all. Um, yeah, that's one of the most uh, delightful parts to play because uh, Warren just gets this joy from he's got this collection of old toys that are like in mint condition. He, he keeps them polished. He keeps them clean. Uh, there's also these authentic first release 60s albums that he's got in there. Um, and he, he really treasures these things. He carries them with uh, him to Dennis's apartment just because he thinks he might not be going back to his house. And those are the things that he keeps most yeah, He didn't bring clothing. He brought his beloved stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think, for me, this play is coming of age, right? Warren goes through this experience, and he grows up. And I think there is this tug and pull of him desperately not wanting to, and he holds on to these treasures of his like they're the last parts of his youth, mm. right? Mm. This is our youth in a box. <laughs> yep. Wow. So um, thank you all so much. I just wonder uh, if you want to let me know. Uh, and of course, uh, I see coming up Native Gardeners. Native Gardens. 
Native Gardens is is going to be. I should wear my glasses. I? <laughs> um, Native Gardens is coming up at uh, Grand Central Studio. Is there anything Studi- else at Studio Grand Central? Studio Grand Central. Sorry. Is there anything else? I know. I'm the Off Central. We just changed our name. I didn't even get it right. Yet. So it's the Off Central. Well, the Off Central players. Off Central players. It's just the Off Central. So is that off next? Broadway, anything? Anything else going on? Or is there anything about this show? This, this show it's, it opens up uh, February 9th. It opens next Thursday. You can go to tickets. You can go to StudioGrandCentral.com, and we do have. Uh, student discounts that are okay. available, so click on the student discount uh, tab, and uh, hopefully as many students as we can want to make it available for students on both sides of the bay to come see this. Yeah, I would, the drama students, but drama students will especially get a kick out dra- of it. Yeah, drama students, and also I just think it was, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been a student, but um, but I I felt re- I felt represented. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, do you have got, I mean, just I'm sorry, Sydney, I'm so sorry. I'm so, see, the, you convinced me, Sydney, do you have anything coming up you want to mention? Um, not currently. I'm about to take a break. Oh, <laughs> yes, you've had two intense plays. Mm-hmm. So, Anthony, anything you want to mention? Anything looking for theater work? <laughs> um, no, staying very busy. Um, I'm on staff at, at the Off Central, so right. looking forward to Native Gardens, which is our, our next show coming up mm-hmm. as well. And then after that, we're doing Revenge of the Space Pandas. <laughs> David Mamet piece. And then we'll be done for the spring, and then... You go ahead. You're doing something with another theater company, hopefully, across town. That's true. Um, well, actually, in at the end of uh, March, beginning of April, I'm directing uh, a good friend of mine in a one-man show called Every Brilliant Thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be actually at the studio at 620, oh, not great. to be confused with... The right. Off Central, formerly known as Studio Grand Central. Um, <laughs> he forgets where he shows up. Sometimes. Well, obviously, yours is Off Central, and they're at six twenty. Right. So it's very clear for everyone. Um, Harrison, <laughs> do you have anything coming up that you want to give a plug for? Um, I I have this thing in the summer that I don't think has been announced yet, so I, I won't say that. But I I work during the day at Gibbs High School. I'm oh, the good. high school theater teacher, so. We have begun rehearsals for Anastasia, which is going to be massive. Oh, good. And it's, it's very interesting. Two cast members in the show, they're both teachers. Anthony teaches at Dunedin High. Harrison teaches at Gibbs. Mm-hmm. She's an educator as yeah, well. Yeah, I teach as well. So, I teach theater. And I'm just, and I'm the guy that goes, going, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, okay, kids, yeah, show right. me what to do. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but great, well, I'm thank you all. I'm surrounded by geniuses, and that's why it's so good. That's the smartest <laughs> way to, that's smart, someone who can do that. Well, thank you all so much thank for coming you. in. Again, thank you for having um, Oh, you're very welcome. You can find thank more you. information about the show by either going to Art In Your Ear on Facebook or Art In Your Ear on WMNF.org, or, of course, you can go to StudioGrandCentral.com and find everything out you ever wanted to know about the Off Central Players and Gr- Studio Grand Central. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And then uh, I will say not to um, not to you, Anthony, but to Denny, uh, this song is for you. This is uh, uh, the Swan Arcade with the Elvis Costello cover. He was the king of America Where they pour Coca-Cola just like vintage wine Now I try hard not to become hysterical But I'm not sure if I am laughing or crying I wish that I could push a button And talk in the past and not the present tense and watch this hurting feeling disappear like it was common sense. 
It was a fine idea at the time. Now it's a brilliant mistake. She said that she was working for the ABC News. It was as much of the alphabet as she knew how to use. Her perfume was unspeakable. It lingered in the air like her artificial laughter, her mementos of affairs. Oh, I said, I see you know him. Isn't that very fortunate for you? She showed me his calling card. He came third or fourth and there were more than one or two. He was a fine idea at the time. Now he's a brilliant mistake. He thought he was the king of America. But it was just a boulevard of broken dreams. A trick they do with mirrors and with chemicals. The words of love in whispers and the acts of love in screams. I wish that I could push a button and talk in the past and not the present tense. And watch this loving feeling disappear like it was common sense. I was a fine idea at the time. Now I'm a brilliant mistake.
hot serotones down for a minute while I let you know some stuff going on in the area. The serotones are going to be one of the great bands at WMNF's returning tropical heat wave. Whoop, whoop. Uh, tropical heat wave will be May 6th at the Cuban Club. Freaking exciting, you guys. I also want to let you know, a little bit before May 6th, as in uh, next week, at the studio at 620, uh, we will be, uh-oh, I lost the date, at studio at 620, our, two of our recent guests, um, uh, Peter... Uh, Peter Kagayama will be interviewed about his new book, Hunter's Point, uh, by uh, Florida Hustle writer Paul Wilborn. <laughs> so that'll be pretty fun. Uh, and that happens at Studio at 620 next week, February 7th, Tuesday night, February 7th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, the talk starts at 8 p.m. And you can go online to get more information about that at studio at the studio at AT, the studio at 620.org. And I will also post that up. Uh, there's also an art show opening up uh, this evening, uh, and that is called Scaffolding. Uh, scaffolding, it looks really interesting. It looks uh, like very much uh, abstract, beautiful abstract art. And that's going to be at 2502 North Howard Avenue here in Tampa. And I will also post that information up. It's Stephanie Ong's uh, work on that. So there's always stuff, and I'm sorry, I don't have time to give you everything. There's always a ton of stuff going on. You can look on the Art in Your Ear uh, page. You can look at the Art in Your Ear um, Facebook to find out more information about that. Well, thank you all so much for being out there. Thanks for listening. Coming up next, the wonderful E-Love uh, will give us beautiful, beautiful music <laughs> and uh, kind of global electronica. After that, of course, is the Live Music Showcase. Uh, the Live Music Showcase has a live band every week. After that is uh, Reverend Billy and Marvelous Marv with their reach back into the, the roots of rock and roll nothing you will ever, ever expect. After that, we have the Soul Party at 6 p.m., classic R&B and soul. And then we end up our uh, Friday night, we have the Soul Kitchen on at 8, which is just a really fun rhythm-based show, uh, very freeform, very fun, and a lot of talking about food, which, of course, I love. And we end our night with Flashback Friday, uh, Florida, R&B, Florida, and Seoul. Next week, I have a really fun show next week. Next week, stay tuned. Dr. Angelo Spoto of the C.G. Young Library of Tampa Bay is going to be talking about Young and his relationship with art. And I have been reading and reading up on that, and it's fantastic. So stay tuned for that. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. WMNF, the best little station in the nation. So happy that you're out there, and I hope to see you next week. Uh, stay in touch, please. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is Ellen. J-O-E-L-L-E-N Joe Ellen at WMNF.org Bye now. Thanks for listening. Bye.